Metu Netter, Volume 1, The Great Oracle of Tahuti and the Egyptian System of Spiritual Cultivation. Chapter 12, Meditation and Ritual, The Means of Realizing Spiritual Growth. First section, The Principles of Meditation. In chapter 9 and 10, we learn that the goal of initiation is the liberation of the self by raising consciousness from below the faculty of the sixth sphere to the highest part of being, the development and right use of the personal will and the rising of the spiritual force to the level of being able to affect physical phenomena. Meditation is a catchword for the set of practices to the realization of these ends. Next section, the fundamental components of man's being. In the past two chapters, we saw that spiritual development aims at allowing the indwelling intelligence that directs our involuntary mental and psychological functions to extend its spheres of operations to the social events in our lives. The benefits to our lives can be appreciated when we consider the omni-essence that the indwelling intelligence shows that it possesses in its handling of the infinite complexity of our physiological processes. What then can we expect from its handling of the affairs of our lives, which are simpler. The comprehension of the processes of meditation and ritual as means of extending the operation of the indwelling intelligence to the external part of our lives depends on a clear understanding of the fundamental components of man's being. One, we are all aware of the fact that the major part of our physiological and mental processes occur in din- independently of our will. This automation of spirit or life force, which has been mislabeled, the subconscious mind provides the matrices or molds or programs that the guide that guide the physical functions of our bodies and events in the world. It is important to realize that this principle is not conscious, nor does it initiate or program its activities its direction and programming are the property of the indwelling intelligence. Health, success, and happiness are the results of the direction of the life force by the true self, which bases its function on divine law. Unfortunately, the spirit is also receptive to man's will, which is, as we know, nowhere as wise or capable as the indwelling intelligence. It is also receptive to the idea ideas we assimilate and to the impressions streaming in from our bloodstream and the external environment. As the influence that these agents exert upon the spirit are not ordered by laws, as it is with the indwelling intelligence, their influence is unchecked, create illness, unhappiness and failure. This two, the second major component of our being is the inner intelligence and source of consciousness. It is the Ausar, the first fear ourself, which from here on will at times 
be referred to as our true self, although redundant. Three, the third major component of our being is the outer intelligence and focal point of externalized consciousness. It is Eru, the sixth sphere, our will, that is in charge of our voluntary mental and physical actions. It is the external point where consciousness grasps, perceives, and manipulates objective reality. Four, the fourth major component of our being is the faculty that houses the spiritual matrices that govern the conception of the events of the physical body and environment. This is Auset, the knife sphere. This is one of the reasons why she is called the mother of all living things. Next section, stages in the process of meditation. We have seen that in the self, the indwelling intelligence is unobstructed. It will maintain the physical organism in good health and extend its functions to running the social aspects of our lives as well. The first source of interference, too, it comes from the failure to regulate the emotional and sensual activities of the animal part of the spirit. The second source of interference originates from our will when it is directed by our earthly education as opposed to our inner intelligence. These interferences which cause physical and social disharmony are symbolized in the Alsurian metaphorian as the usurpation of the kingdom by Set and the stalemate failure of Eru's battle with Set, respectively. The essence of meditation and ritual then lies in the harmonization of the will with the inner intelligence. This is symbolized as Ausar and Auset given birth to Eru, and the latter directed to victory by Tehuti, the mouthpiece of Ausar. The function of the will, therefore, is to check the influences of the lower parts of the spirit to enable the self to direct the spirit according to the cosmonical divine law in order to Hudi Ma'at. Next section, the process of meditation. Thus far, we have been speaking of an indwelling intelligence that is in charge of directing all of the involuntary mental and physiological functions. We have been saying that it is our true self, and you may have been wondering quite correctly why then you have not been able to sense, to feel, or to be conscious in some form of the existence of this intelligence. The answer is a simple one. Consciousness resembles a stream of light in that it has a source of origin, a path of propagation, and a point where it makes contact with and grasps the objects of perception. In our habitual mode of consciousness, whether we are dreaming or awake, our consciousness is mostly focused at the point of contact with the object of perception. You will recall, however, that there are times when as a result of being so absorbed in your thoughts, 
in your thoughts, you find your awareness of yourself. Your surroundings and your thoughts are just returning to you from a moment in which you are at a loss for what you were thinking about. Some people call this being spaced out, absent-minded, etc. What has really taken what has really taken place? At such moments, the focal point of consciousness has been withdrawn from the external point where it grasps objects. It has been returned to its source within our being. Because of the immateriality of the self and the manner, manner in which the consciousness was withdrawn to it during such spontaneous occurrences, it is not possible to interspirits the indwelling intelligence. The result is that we, o- we are only conscious of the forms that consciousness perceives and not of the source of consciousness that which in consciousness itself. The ultimate and highest aim of meditation is, therefore, the withdrawal of the focus of consciousness from the objects of perception, the goal of consciousness, and its return to its source. When when this is realized, we have no consciousness of objects. Freed from objects of consciousness, we are conscious only of being conscious. It is then that we are able to sense, feel, or experience our inner true self. We will have much to say about this. We must first examine all of the possible manners in which consciousness can be altered. The normal walking state or waking state is characterized by the tendency of the will to impose itself over the mental functions and its command over the voluntary physical functions. In this state, we, the will is primarily engaged in determining what ideas should be associated according to the sense of logic in re- reference to the person's belief system and what actions are to be allowed in the person's life. The normal dreaming state is characterized by the dormancy of the will, which gives the spirit full control over the body and thought associations. The spirit's activities are, of course, determined by its programs, the condition of the blood, environmental influences, etc. In both states, the normal waking and dreaming, the focus of consciousness is located in the external lower part of being. A very important characteristic that they both share is that their distractibility or the shortness of the concentration span. The inability to keep the attention on one object of trait of thought or for very long during normal waking and dreaming is very well known. Mediumistic or hypnotic dream trance A state of meditation is very much like the normal dream state with the fundamental difference that the consciousness is fully undistracted. It becomes totally focused on an object or a stream of thoughts. This hyper-concentrated state of focus of consciousness is the key to impressing upon the spirit the programs that will determine its activities. For example, A thought to heal ourselves expressed in the normal waking of our dream states will fail simply because it was not held long enough in the sphere of of awareness.
In the mediumistic trance, it can be held long enough to be strongly impressed upon the spirit. There are, of course, other variables to this procedure, which will be considered in the later chapters on meditation. As the will is dormant, the contents of the awareness and the behavior of the person are directed by the spirit's program or by whatever else is influencing its activities. The full concentration of the focus of consciousness on a personality archetype or a fragment of a personality is known as possession, as the behavior of the person takes on full characteristics of the elements of the personality in question. Because the spirit and not the will is directing the person's voluntary physical vehicle during the state, possessed individuals experience either a diminution or enhancement of their physical capabilities. It's full concentration on an idea, ergo a virtue, which in turn directs its activities is called an obsession. This form of at one bit of our focus of consciousness with objects of perception is called the yogic system, Samparnata Samadhi, full concentration. Although it is very powerful and useful, it does not confer wisdom and self-knowledge. And when not directed by a wise teacher, it can lead to deep spiritual bondage. In fact, it is the mechanism that binds us to one of the seven personality types. Although we are all the same oneself, we are each born in Samparnata Samadhi possessed by one of the seven personality types modified by individuated physical circumstances. The walking trance is a state of inner hyperwakefulness and it exhibits two modalities. The first of these is similar to the normal waking state with the differences its degree of wakefulness is greater it is confined to the mental sphere and the focus of consciousness is fully concentrated on its objective. In the second of these modalities, the focus of consciousness is withdrawn from the objects of consciousness and returned to the source of consciousness, the indwelling intelligence. Here the self, which is immaterial, beholds itself Consciousness grasps consciousness. The lot, the yogic tradition calls it Asmanparnata Samahadi. At one bit of the focus of consciousness, without objects in the sphere of awareness, in his yoga sutras. P-A-T-A-N-J-A-L-I defines yoga, that's Patanjali defines yoga as follows. 
quote, yoga union is attained from the inhibition of the mental energy matter. Then the seer is cloth in his essential nature, end quote. The things that are united, yoke, yoga, a question that has plagued yogis for the longest, are the focus of consciousness and the source of consciousness. The inhibition of the mental energy matter is attained by the deactivation of the will. When this happens during the hyperwakefulness state of waking trance, there comes a point where the sphere of awakened of awareness becomes free of thoughts, allowing the consciousness to sense that which is conscious. When this happens during the normal waking or dream states, it leads to the state. This is why we do not achieve consciousness of self when we space out or enter into a non-REM during sleep. It must be clear to the reader that our dreaming and non-REM experience are not confined to sleeping. In fact, the thought drift activity that we experience during the waking state is in reality a different degree of dream activity during sleep. The key, therefore, to attaining the point of experiencing feeling ourself as the indwelling intelligence as that which is conscious depends on the full awakening of ourselves and the inhibition of the will's function of grasping and directing thoughts. This is the theme, incidentally, of the oldest religious text in the world, the Pert M. Eru, coming forth by day, awakened, which is known incorrectly as the Egyptian Book of the Dead. This latter name originated from the Arab grave robbers who first discovered copies of it buried with the deceased. And here ends the reading of chapter 12. Meditation and ritual at the at the middle of page 166.